0: to identify investments that we can make in the community. For example, we made an investment, uh, an organization called Fresh, where it had an outside uh, vegetable garden that, that really produced healthy foods for the community. We're investing in parks that will create more green space for neighborhoods that didn't have that opportunity. We continue to look at affordable housing, looking at disparities and how we can impact that with education and, and, and focusing on diabetes and prevention.
1: Welcome to the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast. I'm your host, Michael Whitehouse. Today we have a fascinating conversation with Patrick Green, President and CEO of Lawrence and Memorial Healthcare. Patrick discovered a love for the strategic planning side of healthcare in college and worked his way up through the ranks. In our conversation, you'll learn that l is about more than just healing the sick. They have a strong commitment to keeping our community well and preventing illness before it happens. It's about a lot more than treatments and prescriptions. So let's get to know Patrick Green. I'm here today with Patrick Green, the president and CEO of Lawrence and Memorial Healthcare. Uh how are you doing today, Patrick?
0: I'm great. How are you, Michael? Thank you for having I'm, me.
1: Yes, yeah, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um so so it, when we we're talking before, the president and CEO of Lawrence Memorial Healthcare involves a number of different elements. Um, so tell us a bit about what your job entails.
0: Thank you. Lawrence and Memorial Healthcare consists of Lawrence Memorial Hospital in West in New London, Connecticut, and Westerly Hospital in Westerly, Rhode Island, and the Visiting Nurses Association of Southeastern Connecticut. I am also an executive vice president with Yellow Haven Health, so I represent the delivery network on behalf of Yellow Haven Health in Southeastern Connecticut and Southern Rhode
1: Island. Okay, when you say delivery network, is that what does that mean? That means
0: we have a network of hospitals, ambulatory sites physician practices to deliver extraordinary care in this part of the state.
1: Okay. So, 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 it's, so it's kind a delivery of the, the network, it's
0: a care delivery network. Again, we're not just a collection of buildings. We are a team of extraordinary, excellent, talented providers and leaders that work on behalf of the communities
1: we serve. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So it's, so it's more of a big picture. It's not just a, a single hospital. It's a whole, the whole package. That's correct. Great. Um, and so, so how did you, you come to you know, the present CEO is a pretty respectable title. Um, and, uh, how did you get started? What, what was the path that took you, took you there?
0: Well, it's a great question, Michael. I started out in undergrad going to physical therapy school and my education was really focused on, uh, health and science and upon entering, uh, my undergraduate work. The physical therapy school that I was looking to apply to was very competitive, and it had limited slots each year. And my roommate, who was an upperclassman, was very, very talented, a lot smarter than I was, and he applied to PT school and didn't get in. At the time, the university had some guidelines that if you didn't get in the first year into PT school, which was highly competitive and you took all the prerequisites, obviously you met the requirements at the university, you would uh, be strongly considered for the following year. So he had to go home uh, and work uh, for a year, take a year off and come back to to school. I knew that was something I did not want to do. So I went to my academic advisor and asked them what Options do I have if I don't get in? And he introduced to me something called healthcare administration. And at the time I said, Well, I don't think I want to be a nurse. And they said, No, that's it's running the business of healthcare. It's not a clinical role, but it's it's running the business of healthcare. So I started taking strategic planning, healthcare finance, marketing, and things like. And I really, really enjoyed it. And after about a year of taking healthcare administration as a minor, I did the research and I looked at the career directory of a healthcare executive and I changed my major. At that <laughs> point, I got into graduate school and got my MBA in finance and the rest is history.
1: Okay. So you basically, so so you, you went to school to be an administrator, now you're a top administrator. So it's a fair- Yeah, day. I started, I started
0: out in a back office function in the business department, really billing, if you will, making $8 an hour. I started at the very <laughs> bottom. And I was fortunate enough to have strong mentors, people that would share with me their path, people that would uh, give me uh, coaching and development and really help me get to this point. I, I, I would be remiss to, to, to not state that. I'm here today because of so many people who who opened the door for me. They saw my work ethic. They, they saw my values. And we're in the right place. And I was able to get opportunities, demonstrate effectiveness, and execute on strategic plans and work with extraordinary uh, leaders and teammates is really what helped propel me to where I am today.
1: It reminds me of the expression, the harder I work, the luckier I get.
0: exactly be careful what you're asked for you just might get it but but you know the presidency uh, we get a lot of a lot of credit but to be honest with you it's really about the team it's it's about Mm -hmm. the physicians it's about our nurses it's about our team who really help uh, deliver extraordinary care every day and that was one of the early lessons that i learned michael from one of my mentors early in my in that time when i was just starting out I went into the CEO's office and I asked him, what would it take for me to be in your seat one day? And I'm thinking he's going to bring out this healthcare executive one-on-one book. And I was prepared Mm -hmm. to take copious notes. And he made it very simple. He said, Patrick, it's about physician relationships. It's never about administration. The administrator's, have a function has a very important role. However, the patients, they only wanted to care about who's taking care of them and it is the physicians and the clinical staff. And I never forgot that. So when I look at my role, I may sit at the top of the organizational structure, but I like to turn the organizational structure upside down. I'm here to serve the people of the organization, not the other way around administration mm-hmm. is to give support, and that's mm-hmm. what I see my role is to support the doctors and the nurses and all the clinical staff to do what we do best. And that's that's uh, take care of our patients.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. When I spoke to Michael Rao over at Chelsea Groton Bank. He called, he called himself the chief obstacle remover, which sounds similar <laughs> to what you're saying.
0: That's right. That's right. We're, we we exist to to really care for the people in this community.
1: Uh, and so so what are the, the biggest misconceptions about about hospitals and how hospitals run.
0: Well, I think part of the misconception is we, well, well, is that we are really about buildings and and money, and and that is the biggest mis- misconception. We don't do a good job of telling our story in the health as a healthcare industry. Sometimes the headlines in the media in the news stories are all about. The cost, health insurance, out-of-pocket costs kind of being less patient-centric, but that is the furthest from the truth. As a healthcare industry, we know that it's all about the patients, and it's all about the patients' families. So when people come into our organizations, they are most likely scared. We know they're not feeling well. They're sick but we look at it as taking care of the whole person. We want to make sure they feel comfortable, they feel safe, and they know that they're in the best hands, highly trained people who are compassionate, and really they perform miracles every day. So I think the biggest misconception is that, that there's hospitals are really about, you know, an assembly line, a production, that's not the, tr- that's not the case. We are very compassionate people. The people that choose to take care of uh, our patients, it's truly a calling, Michael. And we don't, we don't talk about that enough. Mm-hmm. We, we, we need to tell our story more. And I think that's, that's something that I think is, is something we can dispel those myths, that it's really about as many patients as you can see it's about procedures and things you do to to patients to to generate a financial return, and that's not the case.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I, I've fortunately I've only had one interaction with with uh, LNM Hospital when my daughter was born. I spent um, well, I spent three days there with my wife, who was really the the patient. Um, but, but I was definitely impressed by the by the care and the attention that what it was really focused on on making it the best possible experience. Um, and knock on wood, I won't have any uh, close experience with your services anytime soon. But uh, um, I know sometimes people talk about, or it seems like the issue is is maybe insurance companies putting pressure on the hospitals or they'll only pay for so many days or so much or require this and that. And, it, and, it's, and in accommodating the insurance requirements, it, it uh, crowds out some of the care. Um, so what do you do to counter that and make sure that you can still really focus on the patients with all the administrative challenges on that?
0: Uh, Pretty easy. We don't worry about that at all. We just focus on what's (laughs) the best thing for the patient. Our staff, our physicians, our leaders, we don't get involved in worrying about any of the insurance or the administrative back office financial functions. We focus on the patient. And if we do that and we provide an ideal experience for people when they come into our organization, everything else will take care of itself. So we have people who are highly trained in insurance and managed care contracts, but that never comes into play in terms of our care treatment and our care plan. So we do what's best for the patient. And at the end of the day, we're a mission-driven organization. We take care of everyone without regard to whether they can pay or not and when it all said and done our our finance team uh, that shakes out and, the, and they they manage that part of what we do but that never is part of our equation in terms of our care treatment plan
1: that sounds like like a key to really giving people the right kind of experience to take care of them first and then let the let the back office deal with it deal with it afterwards
0: That's right. I I always tell uh, our physicians, I said, of course, you never want me to come into a clinical discussion about your patients. Therefore, I'm not going to talk to you about a financial situation because at the end of the day, that's not what's important. What is important is giving our patients our full attention, regardless of any economic situation, but ideally, we want them to feel safe. We want them to feel comfortable, and we want them to know that we're here to take care of them uh, as a whole person. There's there's more than just procedures and and things that 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 we uh, perform to to get patients better and back to to their normal life. But it's also listening. It's also about it's a person in there. Somebody's mother. Somebody's father child grandmother grandfather we have to connect with our patients to demonstrate that we are a caring organization and we have empathy and we're going to be here for them uh, throughout their life and that's really our message is as we we're a mission driven organization and that's why it's so important that that you talked about the misconception we are we are mission driven again mm-hmm. we are we exist to serve the communities, and and we have to be uh, empathetic to, to everything that that we do, and we want that to show up at every touch, every time.
1: Okay, um, and and so of course L and M was independent and then became part of Yale New Haven uh, Health System, uh, and and so what what changed when they when they uh, merged, and and what what remained the same?
0: Well. I wasn't here prior to that, okay. but, but I can tell you, I, I joined the organization as a part of the affiliation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I can tell you what did change. What did change was having the backing and the, 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 a system approach of a nationally recognized organization with a, uh, with the expertise, the clinical expertise and the commitment to keeping care local and having access to specialty programs that uh, is really unparalleled in this region from cancer care to cardiovascular care to Mm -hmm. surgical care to primary care we now have a, a health system that we can strategize with that we can plan with that we can partner with to provide care in these communities that, that we serve. We were able to recruit over 100 physicians, primary care and specialty physicians in a couple of years. If you're an independent organization, that would be very difficult to do financially, strategically, and you have the confidence of a Yale New Haven Health System with you every single day. So, So that was a huge benefit and it continues to be a a huge benefit having being part of a health system to get through a pandemic where mm-hmm. we literally had to take down the operations of our organization and the significant burden of having uh, physicians coverage across our state staffing we we didn't have to lay off or furlough anyone even though we essentially took our our health care volume down by 80, 90%, we have the the PPE and the resources to take care of our patients and didn't skip a beat. So the the benefits are, are endless. It's it's very difficult to be an independent hospital in today's healthcare environment. And being part of Yellow mm-hmm. Haven Health is one of the health, best health systems in the country has is, is been a huge benefit to us.
1: Wow. Um, and, and so let's, let's talk about the... Uh the pandemic, which I imagine you've been involved in somewhat um, <laughs> now. So, so were you able, were, was, was staff shifted? Cause I know Fairfield County was hit a lot harder than we were here in New London County. So was some staff redeployed into the harder hit areas or was there enough in, um, was that not necessary?
0: No, it was, it was necessary. Again, as a health system, we came together to fight a common enemy and this is the the COVID-19. It really tells the story of the extraordinary people I get a chance to work with every day. We had nurses, technicians, physicians raise their hand when we were not seeing the level of volume that that was expected. They volunteered to go into Fairfield County and support our colleagues. They wanted to go into the line of fire to support and give a break to their friends and colleagues. Down in Fairfield County, so it really speaks to the heart and spirit of our people. They didn't just say, "I'll sit and wait until it comes to us." They took advantage of the relationships we have across our system and said, "I want to help." And it was so inspiring. They left their families, their home departments, and went into uh, the 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 heart of this pandemic in our state and they did a phenomenal job. We were able to take that learning and that training. And when our volume started to, to creep up, they brought back some of the learnings here and it helped us prepare even better. So very proud of our team, very proud of our staff, our people for, for raising their hand and saying, Mm -hmm. we want to be part of the solution.
1: And, and how were you positioned in terms you you mentioned PP and said you had enough of it. So, um, so you, did, you didn't have, didn't have the shortages of masks and and such that other hospitals may have had.
0: We're no different than any other healthcare organization. We were uh, we were never short of PPE. We managed mm-hmm. it to be good stewards of resources, but we were never uh, short of PPE.
1: Okay, good. Um, yeah, and and what you're talking about with the nurses there, I I rewatched the movie Contagion recently. I don't know if you've you've seen that recently. Um, but one of the the things that happened as the the outbreak happened in the movie was the nurses went on strike because they didn't have enough uh pPE available they didn't have enough they didn't have proper protocols or something like that and And I was watching that, and I was thinking you know the nurses I know and the nurses I'm hearing about i think would um you know if they had a a, a rain poncho and a um you know a, a piece of piece of masking tape they'd still go take care of patients because because that's the kind of commitment that I see in in the the health professionals at least that I know personally it sounds like yours as well
0: they're extraordinary luckily we didn't have to get in that position mm-hmm. but like everyone else we we had no idea we we didn't know if we were going to be overran by this pandemic so we had to absolutely make sure the protocols were in place mm-hmm. and that we were preparing for the worst case scenario so we couldn't we couldn't um just we had to manage that our PPE supply in a mm-hmm. way that prepared us for for a peak, for the long term, and that's what we did. But our staff continued to have PPE, and, and they still do. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So 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 if there were to be a second wave that's larger, I assume you're still positioned and and uh, ready for for that if it comes at this point.
0: We are. We our surge plans called for us to be able to to handle uh, a larger volume of. Covid patients. Thank goodness we didn't have to do that, and I think that was a large part because of our the stay-at-home orders by the mm-hmm. governor, the the social distancing, the face mask covering protocols that were put in place, and not living in a in a highly populated area. So all of that really helped us fare better than other parts of the state. And if there is a a, a uptick. Uh, we will be well positioned to to manage it. Our mm-hmm. our emergency and surge plans required us to take care of a lot more patients than, than, than we saw. So we're in a good place. Again, that's another benefit of being part of a, a health system. We were able to look at resources differently, access some of the best and the brightest in preparing for this pandemic when it came to infection prevention, when it came to protecting our staff in terms of, Resources protocols. We were very fortunate.
1: Good, um, and, and so you know we talked a bit about some of the benefits of, of being part of a large organization. But talk a bit about what um, what the organization does in the local community to help uh, uh, help help create wellness and, and educate and and kind of be a good uh, good neighbor.
0: Well, it's a great question, and, and that's really one of our main missions. We, we work with our local community health agents agencies. We have a, a community health needs assessment that really defines our work in the community. Uh, the, the city of new London have been a great partner, mayor Passero and Jeannie Millstone They're, They've been phenomenal in working with our teams to identify investments that we can make in the community. For example, we made an investment uh, in uh, uh, an organization called Fresh where it had an outside uh, vegetable garden that that really produced healthy foods for the community. We're investing in in, uh, parks that will create more green space for neighborhoods that didn't have that opportunity. Uh, we continue to look at affordable housing we're looking at health disparities and how we can Im- impact that with education and 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 focusing on diabetes and prevention so we we spend a lot of time and effort and resources partnering with our community to it to to impact disparities of of health around education around prevention and as well as wellness so we have a lot more to do, but, but I'm proud mm-hmm. of our work thus far in terms of community health.
1: And, and, and the resource you invested in this, this is the hospital itself. It's not like a foundation or some affiliated organizations. It's part of your core, this, core mission this, this, of making people healthy.
0: This is coming out of our operations. So this is, we're not asking our donors to, to support this effort. We use, mm-hmm. uh, we use resources that's that's generated uh, through our normal operations.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't, even, didn't realize that. And, and it makes sense because your mission is make people healthy. Best way to make people healthy is that they don't get sick. Um, but well, but it, we, it, we hear sometimes about, about like healthcare instead of wellness care. And it sounds like you're really focusing on the, the wellness and the, the whole community health.
0: That's right, Michael. People want health. They don't want healthcare. You mm-hmm. know, my, and, and, you know, if you think about a, a a typical networking session. I may hand you my card, but I hope you don't come see me Uh because that means you or your family is sick or injured or not feeling well. My, we have to move beyond waiting for our community to come to us. We have to move further upstream. If you will, you may have heard that term in the past Mm -hmm. and work with our community to identify solutions to, prevent them from getting sick in the first place. And and that's what I mean about whole person care. We're here when you need us, but, but ideally we want to help our communities develop a healthy lifestyle. That is really what's going to advance our organization. That's going to advance our community. When we get to a place where we're focusing more on prevention and keeping people out of the hospital, as opposed to them coming in. And that's when we know we will never stop fighting and, 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 and putting in strategic plans to do that when it comes to investments in primary care, forward-thinking, healthy eating solutions, affordable housing. But it's really about how can we keep people from having to need hospital care in the first place. It, it's really about prevention and health.
1: that's another great way to approach things because i think a lot of people think that hospitals you know they want more sick people so they can make more money and so to know that you're 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 really trying to work yourself out of a job almost
0: absolutely if you think about the the term of value-based care that's really what it's about so it's, it's not about incenting people to come into our 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 organization we obviously there's a lot of need in the community but we have to move beyond again just waiting until people come into our four walls we have to go outside the four walls of our organization into the communities educating our 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 community constituents and how we can work together and keeping our community healthy
1: great yeah it's it's been great to learn you know learn more about about the our local hospital and and that philosophy which is a really inspiring thing because um I, I don't think every community is as lucky to have a an out-facing hospital and, and a, a upstream-focused hospital like you are. So uh, that's that's a really cool thing to learn. I think our uh, hopefully our, our listeners are excited to learn it as well. Um, so we're coming to the end of our time. Do you have any final comments you'd like to share before we wrap up?
0: Well, you talked about how I got to where I am. If there's any
1: mm-hmm.
0: inspiring young people that want to learn more about healthcare, one of my – early conversation with one of my mentors when I asked him, what could I do to repay him? And again, a very simple lesson and I've never forgotten it. Whenever a young person wants to learn about the business of healthcare, make sure you open the door for them as I did for you. So we need a lot of young bright minds that are interested in, in joining us and keeping this community healthy. So if anyone is interested, uh, to, to talk to myself or any member of my team, uh, feel free to, to reach out. But, uh, it's really, our organization is so proud to serve this community. And we are a team of compassionate caregivers and people that, that see this as a calling. And it's, it's, it's really inspiring to see the men and women in this organization put others before themselves every single day and we are very lucky to to work with such extraordinary people but if anyone wants to to learn about what we do we're happy to to host you at any time and i just want to thank you michael for giving me the platform to talk a little bit about myself and what we do at Yellowhaven health and lawrence memorial hospital
1: yes yeah i'm so glad you came on i'm glad i was able to share that because i'm you know, I'm, I'm uh, kind of proud to hear about the things you're doing there and knowing you're my my local hospital. So that's really great. Well, I really appreciate appreciate your time. Uh, if someone does want to connect, what would be the way to do that? Is that through the website or is there an email they should reach out to or what, what would you recommend?
0: Uh, they can call my office. They can call okay. my office at the hospital and
1: it's 860-271-4277. All right. And that'll be in the... Uh, the description of this episode as well. So thank you very much for your time. And I really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you, Michael. Have a wonderful day. We hear so much about hospitals being about profits, being focused on sick care rather than wellness. So it was refreshing for me to hear a hospital executive talking about wellness about preventing people from needing hospital services, and even to hear him talk about issues like affordable housing as a health care issue. One of the through lines I'm seeing in the various business leaders I'm speaking with is a commitment to something greater than just profit. I believe it is a result of leaders working in a local community. When you are leading from a boardroom on the other side of the country, it's easy to forget that these spreadsheets and pie charts represent real live people. But when you're in the community, living amongst your customers, There's a constant reminder that the decisions you make have real-life effects. Here in New London County, we are fortunate to have many decisions being made right here locally in our community. The same is true in the media we consume. National media, whether it's news or entertainment, has a bland generic quality to it because it's not personal. It's not about us. This is why my community publications I produce every month with Best Version Media, Mystic Neighbors and Niantic Neighbors, are so popular. Every month, our readers get a beautiful, full-size, High quality, color, glossy publication featuring their neighbors, local kids and pets, charities and nonprofits in the community, and ways to connect and get involved. In uncertain times, it's an oasis of calm for our readers. For listeners to the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast, we have a special sponsorship program available that allows you to directly associate your brand with the positive content we provide every month. For more information, email me at michael at knows dot com and be sure to mention that you heard about it on this podcast. If you have comments, questions, or feedback on the show, email michael at guywhonowsaguy.com. The Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast is produced and hosted by Michael Whitehouse. Our theme song is composed by Patrick Howard of Four Unicorns Design. Other music and sound effects are from Benjamin Harvey Design by way of freesound.org and bensound.com. Special thanks to Pat Helmers of Habanero Media for all the great advice he gave me on relaunching the show. Find me on the web at guy.com. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. You can also follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash guy. Please share links to the show with friends you think might enjoy it. This is Michael Whitehouse, The Guy Who Knows a Guy, reminding you that it's not what you know, it's who you know, and how much you are willing to help them. JV Connect is coming up quick, December 12th and 13th.